Welcome to CS Radio. Welcome to episode 122 of CS Radio. I'm Jay Michael DeAngelis. And I'm Amy Lynn Kirshner. And we are recording this on a particularly dreary and rainy day. You, If you listen carefully, you may hear the, the rain on my roof. <laughs> Stopped here briefly, but this morning it was torrential for sure. Uh, it has uh, it has just started uh, up again. I'm, I'm about, uh, what, I'm about... Uh, three miles from where Milan is and uh, I'll look for it. I'll look for that weather here, moving so. through. <clears throat> You're like the radar, <laughs> the radar map slightly west, west, northwest. I am. Yes. I'm slightly west yeah, of you. Exactly. Southwest. Oh, right. My family is northwest. So Milan and I are always uh, trolling the internet, looking for topics to talk about. And a few weeks ago, I came across a great article, which, of course, we will link to in the show notes, from Forbes. And it was posted about a month ago at the start of November. And it's about uh, one, of, one of my uh, favorite guys, Bill Gates. And Bill Gates sat down with Stefan Curry to do a practice interview. And Bill Gates wanted to show how you can do really well in an interview by giving incredibly concise answers. So in fact, he gave no more than 30 seconds worth of an answer per question. Yeah. I felt like I might have needed more context on this. I, I'm very curious about Steph Curry's YouTube series, uh, State of Inspiration, which I guess this was a part of. Um, I, I, the objective of a 30-second answer... Um, I'm curious about this. We always tell students not to worry about timing yourself because that's a lot of undue stress. But I do think that this angle is interesting that you can convey a lot in a very short amount of time. I agree. I mean, to me, again, I, I, I would not encourage any student to try and lock themselves into a formula or be like, you know, you know, it's not like debate prep where you have yes, a, right. a timer on you and you have to come up with that 30 second answer, that that 20 word answer. But I think it's a good exercise and maybe this is a little bit of my writer brain talking, but it's a good exercise to can I distill my point, you know, to an incredibly concise answer. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I love concision. I taught business writing and it's so much easier to come up with a long answer than it is to come up with a short answer. Short answers, short responses often require a lot of editing so that the point is distilled and immediately clear to your audience. Um, and this thinking of it in this way, in this interview format, I think is especially appropriate for the times we're in now where a lot, even more than usual, a lot of these interviews are going to be taking place over the phone or obviously over video where you may have less of a sense of your audience's engagement and reaction. So it's easier to err on the, like easier. It's, it's wise, prudent to err on the short, concise side rather than the rambling side since you won't be able to gauge their, their engagement quite so well. So what we thought we would do today 
is they is that I I'd let Milan put me in the hot seat for a bit, and I will try and answer her interview questions as concisely as I can, um, and then she can uh, evaluate my answers. And I'm going to uh, approach this as if I were applying for a podcasting job. I love it. So I'm excited to jump in and mock you as you <laughs> as you mm-hmm. propose, although, of course, in the context of mock interviewing, not ridiculing, which is, which is better for everyone, I think. <laughs> um, all right. So let's jump in for this podcasting interview. Michael, why should we hire you? Well, I think if you listen to the two podcasts that I produce regularly, you'll have a really good sense of what I'm going to bring to the table. And those two podcasts are very different from each other. One is a informational interview show, and the other is a scripted full cast comedy show that involves a lot of um, planning and uh, special, special effects and sound effects. And the other one is more off the cuff and conversational, but trying to bring information to people. So I think that you'll be able to see that I'm really adaptable and I'm good at delivering whatever the format requires. I love that. And it, I I guess let's, I was going to say, let's go question by question rather than in a mock interview you would do with me in career services. I would not pause question by question, but I feel like for this format, it makes sense to, to debrief one by one. What do you think? You think that makes sense? I think it does. It is. It is. I can hear it. Pouring. Yeah. Can you hear it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think this is great because, of course, immediately to me, I, I want to learn more about both podcasts. Uh, so in, in some cases, even if the initial concise answer gets the job done, it, it could lead to a more directed follow-up question, uh, especially since just as... Um, in this Bill Gates article, it's a succinct summary of why you should be hired with specific examples. The article emphasizes that you don't have to, it's kind of that old adage about showing rather than telling. You don't have to say you are passionate about it. You've demonstrated that you're passionate about podcasting because you have to. Right. <laughs> you don't need to add the words. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. I must at least enjoy it. Exactly. And of course, in this specific instance, you have a great variety of, I mean, for two podcasts, you have a a nonfiction and a fiction, one with sound effects and, you know, music and stuff, and one with with less of that, uh, a little bit more bare bones um, here at uh, CS Radio. But those examples give a, give a good sense of the breadth of your experience. Um, and I feel actually if I were going to expand on my answer a little bit there, yeah. I think I also would have added that I... I'm really tuned in to what's happening in the podcast world. I follow trends. I know what's happening both in the independent scene as well as the growing studio scene and the strides recently that Amazon and Spotify have taken in particular to create new podcasting platforms and purchase content and what they're looking for. So I'm also... I'm also really aware of what's happening on the the business side of things. But to that, I would say, you just as you didn't in your initial answer, you don't need to to include everything in answer one. Because, for example, let's go to our next question: How do you define your strengths and weaknesses um, in relation to this role? Well, I'm very plugged into what's happening <laughs> in the podcast world. 
Um, again, I think we should well, let's let's define this role exactly. Let's say I'm, I'm applying to become a, a producer, a podcast producer. Perfect. Yeah. So two, I'm two. I one. My strengths are I have experience, as I said, in produ- in producing both an interview show and a scripted show, and those are two very different skill sets. But I think the quality of the shows speak for themselves. Secondly, I really keep up to date with what's happening in the podcast world. I know what's happening on the business side of things. I know what's happening with Amazon and Spotify and Gimlet Media and people like that who are starting to really push themselves out into the monetized podcast world. And so I really got my uh, finger on the the pulse of what's happening there, as well as what's happening on the independent scene. And I think there are ways that you can have real success in either one of those arenas and possibly transfer from the independent scene to the studio scene. As for my weaknesses, I would say that I try and take on too much, and it's something I'm aware of. So... On the CS radio, uh, we are coming up with the guests. We're writing the interview questions. We're often doing it very last second uh, because we're, you know, we're also doing a lot of other things. On Mission Rejected, I'm writing it. I'm directing it. I'm also the line producer, meaning I'm making all of the schedules. Uh, I'm doing the show notes. And I would think in this role, uh, I'm going to have to delegate more. It's not something I'm used to. Great. But I think it would be very beneficial for me to, to do so. <laughs> Great. Um, yeah, I, I do think that it's slightly awkward. We phrased that this would be a strengths and weaknesses in the same question. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly ambitious of Bill Gates, although would we expect anything less of Bill Gates um, to tackle them both in 30 seconds? <laughs> Obviously, your answer here was a little longer. I did, I did not time the first one. I did time that one. Um, yeah, I, I think that the key with the strengths and weaknesses, again, is illustrating with examples. Um, you didn't just provide a pat weakness, like, oh, I'm a perfectionist, or oh, I always, you know, do everything too well. This is a, a real life example of uh, a good trait that practically could be problematic. Um, that could, again, focus on uh, concision today, but a good example of a weakness could have been a time where you could have done something better uh, had you delegated, um, or an example of a time that tackling too much really burned you potentially. Uh, and that's tricky because you don't want to like force an error essentially um, right. in the interview. But uh, I, I think in the in Bill Gates' answer, um, the, the what they said in the analysis in Forbes was that the trick is that he didn't, he basically explained why he wanted the exact role, which was a role of engineer. He said that he didn't want other roles. So he wasn't interested in marketing or sales or anything like that. And it's interesting because I don't actually know that this would have been a good answer in an interview, maybe for the exact role that he was talking about. But this is one of those things that I, I thought that throughout this whole article, um, the biggest key is that it's even the answers that are generic questions. We, we said these are very generic questions, strengths and weaknesses. Why do you want this role? Uh, the answers, even to these generic questions, are very specific, specific to yes. the organization and specific to the role. So in this case, for an engineering role, I think it's okay to say, yeah, I, 
I'm not going to be the person who's pitching this. I'm not going to be the person who's, you know, the, the cheerleader for it, but I am going to be the person who does the work and contributes in my way. Uh, whereas of course, for different roles or for an organization where you may wear many hats, that could be a bad thing to say. Yeah, abs- absolutely. And I do think it is sort of, um, funny uh, the 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 questions mr gates is being asked is like <laughs> you know what are your strengths and weaknesses well i'm not a marketer yeah, right right it's probably not the job you're sitting down to apply exactly for. exactly and so it is i think it's a strategy potentially and they do credit him by saying he's not you know he didn't provide that trite response like i'm not a perfect like i'm a perfectionist everything i always do and that's that's yeah, essential yeah. you can't do that but you do want to be thoughtful about what you do list as a weakness which I thought you did very well. Well, thank you. And I would say to, to your earlier point, I should be prepared for the follow-up question. Can you tell me a little bit, like, can you give an example of a time where maybe you should have delegated something and how, how did you deal with that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think we've talked about this other article before and I, I still refer to it. It was I think it was 40 interview questions asked by some of the brightest or the... Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we did a whole show yeah. on that. But one of the things that I pulled from that article was about how if you're asked a failure, a time you failed, a smart interviewer, a really savvy interviewer might ask you for a second. What was another Mm. time you failed? I think that's so interesting. And that's something that I've been mentioning to students recently is most people prepare at the, you know, in 2020, this day and age, a failure question or a weakness question is expected. They're going to be candidates are going to be prepping for those times when things didn't go according to plan, but likely they may just prep one. So if if your interviewer really is trying to get a gauge on how you're going to react to an obstacle or how you're going to overcome some kind of hardship, having a second example is not a bad thing to prepare for too. So I just thought I'd bring that up here as well in this context of what's your weakness, especially as weakness in relation to this role. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The other thing I say about that too is it also is a great way to demonstrate that you know something about the role. So of course here you mentioned that for this hypothetical role, there's going to be an element of delegation. So you're going to have to demonstrate that that you'll be okay letting go of some of these things, assigning some of these, helping develop people beneath you to do some of those things. Um, I, I also think of the career services example, because I've sat in most, the actual interviews I've been in myself most recently from the, the interviewer side. Um, mm-hmm. But the, especially for a college advisor, we advise students on everything. Like literally we have computer science <laughs> students to, to English majors. So acknowledging that in a specific space, you may have content knowledge. It's something that you need to develop. Um, so that could be an o- appropriate or an okay weakness to mention sometimes too, if it's posed as uh, in relation to this role. Um, and this is why in this example and in the example you gave, this Example: This answer that touches on continuing to learn and grow, continuing to to develop, continuing to read periodicals and journals and things that relate to this topic, whatever it is, um, will keep you qualified as the field evolves, as the industry evolves, as the role evolves. And I think that that is a strength, is something that's really important to acknowledge. Um, but it could touch into your weakness as well to say, I have this one, you know 
I have it. I know that consulting is very popular and I don't know how to case. So that's something that I've read the website. I see that you offer mock case interviews. That's something that I would need to brush up on before I'd be comfortable meeting with a student one-on-one for a mock case interview. It's a very sure. meta example, but it can show <laughs> that, <laughs> that you have done your research on the role. You know, there's a specific issue that you need to get a little bit more training on. Uh, and that can uh, speak to that like specific weakness as well. Um, the other thing I really liked about the summary of this is kind of a little cutesy, but I like it. It's um, someone who's a learn-it-all is more desirable than a know-it-all. And I think that's awesome. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And that's a tough balance to strike too in an interview because you you want to be thinking about presenting your best, most knowledgeable self, but being able to acknowledge that you want to continue to learn, that you're okay to ask questions, that you're coachable are all important things as well. All right. Ready for the next question, Michael? Man, this is the strangest interview I've ever been on. <laughs> Very long. Very long. And, and Circuitous. Milan knows I've been on at least one incredibly strange interview. <gasps> Go to the archives. <laughs> um, so what are your salary expectations for this job? I'm glad you asked that. Uh, my hope, uh, my pr- strong preference uh, for this role, would that it be a salaried position instead of a show to show. Uh, I've looked at at the sort of salary range uh, in the industry. I'm sure that we could come to a number that is good for both of us. But I do know that uh, there's sort of um, two different ways of paying podcast producers. One would be sort of episode to episode or season by season, and one would be a, a yearly salary position. And I, my strong preference would be that. And for that, I would be willing to expand my duties um, beyond a single show. So you could hire me on staff as a year full-time podcast producer. I think I'd be able to get a lot more accomplished. You'd be getting a lot more value for your money. Yeah, maybe you could also serve as the liaison to the tech department. Maybe I could. <laughs> yeah. So I have some experience in that. <laughs> I do as well. It was one of my favorite things about the role when I was in it, your current role. Um, so, how did you? So, again, stepping back from the interview in this moment, how did you prepare for this answer as you thought about it? Well, so one, we did have to take this imaginary scenario <laughs> into account because. I, I, so I will say this is my my own uh, knowledge and having uh, spent um, a, a lot of time recently uh, in a couple of different podcasting um, career development conversations, uh, I may or may not know the hiring model that that they're going with. Right. Podcasting is is essentially still an emerging field as far as hiring people yeah. to do the job. And so a lot of people are budgeting it from a single show perspective. But then when you look at what the actual job description is, it's really a full-time role that they want someone to do all these different things. Uh, so if I did, if they hadn't spelled it out or if they did and it seemed the job description seemed like it should be more of the other thing, I would feel fairly confident in saying what I said, which is I would like to imagine this as a salary position, or maybe you could say eventually turning into a salary position, you know, as with any job, 
they may be limited in what they can offer, right? Mm -hmm. They, particularly at a big company that says, oh, we want to have a podcast. Whoever delegates that budget might not have a concept of what a podcast producer does. And so they might start you out at a a smaller uh, level than you think the job really calls for. And then that's up to you to sort of decide how you want to handle that. But I would say if you feel confident and if if you're someone who has done podcasting in the past, maybe has one or two shows under your belt that you can show, then I think you can you can at least raise that as an issue, right? And say, this is what I'm looking for. And maybe we can meet somewhere in the middle. Even if you can't make it a salaried position, let's talk about this job description a little bit and what is reasonable. I think this is a great example of this. And sometimes job descriptions are not clear. It may be something that you need to clarify. And this could be the time it comes up. This could be the moment where you need to obviously lay out your expectations. I like that you did not just state a number. Um, Right. That is obviously successful as well. But in this specific example, there is a, like, a big detail you would like to have clarified. And in all likelihood, it wouldn't be clear from the job description. Um, Often (laughs) organizations are not transparent about their salary scales, unfortunately. Um, So I think that mostly what I wanted to to clarify and confirm is that you you did give a lot of thought going into it to say that um, this is is what I would need. This is what I would want in order for me to be able to accept this role. Um, Not just kind of winging it in the moment, but truly doing some analysis and evaluation to say, I want this to be, you know, salary, which has a lot of connotations to it as well. And in this case, uh, demonstrates your commitment to the organization, to the podcast, to the long tenure of the of the distribution of the podcast, um, which is often a good thing as well. So kind of nodding to that. Um, Once again, in in the Bill Gates example, answering Steph Curry, um, he, Bill Gates emphasizes the option package here. Um, And I I wanna emphasize that with this article, this is certainly not that that's always the approach. (laughs) The answer is truly determining (laughs) what it is for you. Because some people that's gonna be a terrible deal. (laughs) Even if if you are uh, looking at a nonprofit or sorry, at a startup um, where the stock options may be great, but if you need to pay off pen debt, (laughs) you may not want just a long, a promise in the future for stock options. Um, What what the, the breakdown of this article is thinking about how closely this ties into um, important things for Microsoft. So three, um, I'll just quote the paragraph, a potential job candidate can easily conduct a search and discover that Microsoft looks for people who are passionate about technology, exhibit a strong desire to learn and have a spirit of entrepreneurship. So that entrepreneurial spirit there and that nod to the stock options, the um, that sense of the future of the organization once again, shows that you, the candidate has done their research and is answering more than just, uh, you know, this is my salary expectation. It's saying my objectives, salary-wise and otherwise, are aligned with Microsoft's objectives. And, and in this particular instance yeah. too, right? It's not going to work for everyone, but he's saying in that answer, I'm aligning my future with yours. Yeah, uh-huh, exactly. Right? I, I'm, I, I'm excited to work for you. And if you essentially make me a partner, right? That's essentially what having stock options are, right? right? Then I'm going to be motivated to make this a very successful company because I want those options to mature. Yep, exactly. And I thought that this 
part was interesting too. By favoring stock options, the candidate is saying that they are a risk taker. Not only that they believe in the company, but they're willing to put literally their their money on the line for it. And as someone who always tests negatively on <laughs> the risk taking uh, preference, that stood out to me as something that like, if I'm doing this research and I'm seeing that that's going to make a strong candidate for this type of role in this space, I might say, oh, I'm actually pretty risk averse. <laughs> I don't know. This this may make you know, me think differently about this interview, about the position, maybe pointing me in a different direction, which might be more satisfying for me in the long run. So once again, not a one size fits all answer, but something to be thinking about in terms of what drives you, what motivates you and um, where you fall on some of these, these like standard testing scales, like your risk aversion or preference for risk. <laughs> um, so this is kind of where the article ended, but I am curious, Michael, if you gave any thought to questions that you would ask the interviewer in this, in this oh scenario. My. Yes. Well, again, working under the assumption that this is a new yes. position that mm -hmm. they've created, I would definitely ask them why they're interested in getting into podcasting and what their goal is for having a podcast. Um, is it strictly, um, marketing and PR? Is it to educate, uh, you know, is it to cover a broad range of topics that are, is related? You know, let's say it was Microsoft, right? Microsoft is starting a podcast. Uh, they, they may have several podcasts, but let, you know, let's say in this case, they're, they're going to start an in-house podcast. Well, why are they doing that? What is, is it just because somebody... Bill Gates heard podcasts were were neat. Is um, it for the or, sweet, sweet Casper mattress ad revenue? That's the dream. <laughs> um, but that's another question. Do you see this as a commercial endeavor? Yeah. Do you see this as something strictly in house that you can just pay for? Does it need Does it need to eventually pay for itself through ad revenue or something like that? So yeah. And as always with the questions that you pose to the interviewer, this isn't just to, to flex. This isn't just to show that you've been thinking about these things. It's for you as the candidate to truly evaluate whether this is a, an acceptable answer. So sometimes it could be like if they truly have no idea, if they haven't given this thought and they're just, you know, saying that they need to hire a podcast producer because someone above them has told them that they need a podcast, that could be a red flag that it's going to be disorganized. There's not going to be clear goals, clear objectives. It's going to maybe be a confusing setup for you. It, yes, for sure. Although the risk taker might also sure. see that as an opportunity sure. to say, well, I have some ideas about what would be most advantageous for you in the podcast realm. Yeah. And even, even a non-risk taker, but someone who, who gets the sense that from that interviewer that they'll be trusted to, mm -hmm. to have the drive in the direction rather than if you, if you get the sense that someone above you is going to be pulling the strings and you're not ever going to have a sense of what that's going to look like. And, you know, if you have any agency over that, that's something that you can be trying to glean from these, these questions that you pose at the end as well. Like truly, does this seem like something that seems like, and again, it doesn't need to be a role that you'll have for five years and it needs to be something that you, you want to grow old in, but would it be, are there answers? adequate for you to, to get what you need from this position at this time. Exactly. Yeah. I think those are good questions to pose. So do I have the job? Well, we have a number of other candidates we need to consider. Do you have a timeline? Do, 
Do you though? I do not. <laughs> I sure don't. But I thought I'll start Monday. <laughs> Perfect. We'll see you then. <laughs> and uh, we'll see all of you here again next Monday for another episode of CS Radio. Now, wait, let me just, let me consult the old podcasting calendar, Milan. Um, Which you manage as the uh, producer here. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> yes, it will be our last one of 2020. Wow, pressure's on. Hope we do something special. I sure hope so too. <laughs> uh, let's let's uh, go out with a bang. Well, just like 2020 has been. <laughs> It'll be Make my it last one before I leave for Microsoft. Oh, very nice. <laughs> Follow me there at Microsoft Radio. <laughs> Bill, if you're listening, I mean, I know you're not in charge of Microsoft anymore, but you can get me in. J. Michael Microsoft. <laughs> we'll see you next time, everybody. This podcast is by University of Pennsylvania Career Services, a division of the Vice Pro Rose for University Life. It was created, produced, and hosted by J. Michael DeAngelis and A. Milin Kirshner. It was mixed and edited by Kelsey Padilla. Our theme music is by Mila, used under a Creative Commons attribution license. Please join us again next time on CS Radio.